Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, and Action Jackson with you for an hour. Buster only of ESPN is going to be joining us to talk Cardinal baseball. The upcoming season, the National League Central and Major League Baseball overall, that is coming your way at 10-15. And we will be with you talking it over here on the program for the next hour. Jackson, uh, I know you have prepared a smorgasbord. And since we have Buster coming up here in a matter of minutes, I want to make sure that we don't miss out on what has really become the signature of this show. Uh, and that is the Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter. Pew, 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 pew. The Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter. Let's kick it off. We don't have time right. to waste. We're going. There, there's so many topics. I can't wait to, to hear what we have here. I mean, I'm just going to let you just fire away. Yeah, the Six Shooter is pretty baseball-centric today, but, you know, opening day okay. is less than a week away, so let's get into it. With the pitching right. staff in the current position it is in, and with Adam Wainwright as current age with the velo issues, how long do you think this injury may affect him, and by proxy the pitching staff as a whole. Do you think this one month could stretch out a little bit longer? Uh, no, because it's not arm-related. So I am not as concerned specifically for Wainwright as I am for the exposure of the Cardinal rotation early on in the season. Um, the Cardinal rotation was already leveraged. I suppose if you wanted to look at it from a glass half full perspective, Jackson, you could say, okay, Woodford has had a great spring and now he is going to get an opportunity and it provides the Cardinals a chance to see if this guy can really add depth throughout the course of the season out of necessity as opposed to uh, another set of circumstances such as, holy crap, it's now June and we just found out somebody's out for the rest of the year and Mm -hmm. we're three games back. Are we going to have to make a trade? So it gives Wainwright uh, a chance to uh, sit on the sideline, which perhaps would benefit him later in the season when he had problems last year. And it gives the Cardinals the opportunity to see what Woodford can bring. But big picture and I think being real direct and pragmatic about this situation it shows that the Cardinals immediately go from a guy who I think many fans were counting on and I know the Cardinals were inspecting in part ceremoniously to open up the season uh, to then having to go down to a guy like Jake Woodford who was not necessarily expected to be even in the mix uh, when this team was talking about off-season plans and John Mazalek said they were going to increase payroll. So it speaks to the Cardinals' uh, lack of activity in the off-season with the pitching staff. Yeah. All right. Uh, and so that leads into my next question perfectly. Uh, if the pitching staff is clearly holding back what could be an excellent team, how long do you think the Cardinals would wait to pull the trigger for a new pitcher in a trade? Do you think they would even do that at all? Well, I think that what is developing here is a potential trade scenario. I don't know who it would be because if, 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 if the players who were question marks offensively, so that, of course, takes out your three, four, five hitters with Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Contreras, um, and certainly Jordan Walker wouldn't be dealt. But if you have some depth 
already Ali Marmol talking about a platoon situation in the outfield. Now, those players have to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, so you do have four players for three spots. You have what John Denton of MLB.com told us yesterday, Jackson, that Nolan Gorman, if it weren't for Jordan Walker, would be and Mason Wynn would be the story mm-hmm. of spring training. So if you have a spot where you have Edmund, Donovan, Gorman, um, and then Yepes, as far as your DH, depending on um, what side of the slab the pitcher is uh, going to be throwing from, uh, the Cardinals could have a spot where they could trade from depth for the position players to acquire a starting pitcher. So that is something that I would keep an eye on. Not only do you want these guys to be firing on all cylinders just because it benefits the ball club uh, from the position player standpoint, but it also could give the Cardinals a real asset to trade for pitching later on in the season. And that is something in particular in the middle infield because Mason Wynn is is, is lurking uh, that the Cardinals could be dealing from a position of strength with Nolan Gorman's emergence both offensively and, as Denton said, defensively yeah. this year. So keep an eye on that spot. Yeah, I really like that because you're, well, you're right about the, the middle infield depth and young talent at that. And so if you get a pitcher out of one of those and it kind of clears up a path for Mason Wynn, you might have uh, had a pr- two-pronged approach there. Uh, I, well, it's, it's a perfect spot because you have such a huge class of free agent starters this coming off season that inevitably one of these teams, if not multiple teams, will be in a spot where they are just flat out in sell mode. You know, we right. saw what happened a couple of months ago with the Blues. So you can see that play out with one of these teams, with one of these starters who's going to be a free agent. They're going, my God, we can get X, Y, or Z from the Cardinals. Uh, let's make this move. And then the Cardinals can lock one up, yeah. ideally, for the long term, since there's certainly questions uh, as to the starting rotation, which uh, John Denton said yesterday also, that John Mazalek and Bill DeWitt were, were talking about that being a concern, that at this moment only Stephen Matz is under control following this season. All right, third and final Wayno question. Let's say Woodford proves to be effective and Wayno comes back not quite himself. Do you think Ali Marmol would lean towards the hot hand and keep Wayno in the holster, or do you think that the legacy and the seniority would take over and they would give him the benefit of the doubt? Wow, you're presenting quite a scenario with that. Yeah, it's a total hypothetical. It is a total hypothetical. The, The way that these things work out, it's very rare otherwise. There was a Cardinal team that won a division. I was going to say the 2014, but I don't think that that's necessarily right because I know Chris Carpenter got hurt late in the season, so he was not around in the postseason, uh, which was one of the reasons why the Cardinals were so leveraged from a starting pitching standpoint uh, that uh, Woody Williams and Matt Morris were their starters in uh, games one and two at Fenway to open up that World Series. And and I believe Morris may have been on short rest too. They did have a year where almost all of the starts – were by the original five coming out of spring training. But that is so, so rare. And the reason I give that historical context is by the time Wainwright comes back, uh, if you do have the scenario that Woodford has really pitched so well that they wouldn't want to take him out of the rotation, my guess is there will either be a scheduling spot where they could get Wainwright a start or there would be somebody who could be on the IL and Wainwright could get a start. So I understand what you're saying. I just think the probability of those scenarios 
are so unlikely. I doubt it's a spot that Ali Marmol will have to actually address. Right. And just because Woodford's pitching well doesn't mean someone like Steven Matz is. And maybe then you sit Matz and put Wayno in. That scenario has a lot of moving parts. All right. Moving on to Jordan Walker. Now that we've seen Jordan Walker perform at a high level in spring training, uh, slowed down a little bit recently, do you think there's a decent amount of pressure for him to perform from the jump uh, if he is, in fact, the starting left fielder come opening day? Or do you think they'll allow the natural prospect 20-year-old grace period that most other players get? Well, Jackson, uh, we talked about this yesterday. Jordan Walker has been struggling as of late. And I think it's one of those things that people understandably don't necessarily want to talk about. Uh, Ali Marmol uh, discounted it to just a coincidence because there was no possible way to keep up the pace he had for the first three weeks of spring training. But the reality is he was hitting over 400 and now he's hitting under 300. So this is something to keep an eye on. And I'm talking about ever since 13 days ago, injuring his shoulder against the Astros sliding headfirst into second base. So I would have said no He has a great deal of equity that the Cardinals are not going to bring him up to start the season and then have him sit the bench. But this is something to keep an eye on. And he was 0 for yesterday uh, against the Yankees, 0 for 4, one strikeout. He just says he has four hits since that injury. And that it's not something people want to talk about because it's never fun to talk about injuries. Uh, and it's especially unpleasant to talk about injuries when you're talking about a guy who is starting to draw comparisons to some of the great Cardinal prospects of the last 20 years. Uh, some have hit in a Hall of Fame caliber way, such as Albert Pujols. Uh, some ended tragically in the case of Oscar Tavares. Uh, and then some, such as, say, Dylan Carlson or Colby Rasmus, uh, whether it be with Rasmus uh, getting traded away and not living up to it, or Carlson at this moment, a question mark, you just don't know. So a shoulder injury concerns me. We talk about it with Jack Flaherty, and I wonder how closely the Cardinals are keeping an eye on his performance since that shoulder injury. He said he could have gone back into the game that day. Marmol is saying publicly he isn't concerned. And I understand all of that, and both of those things may be true. But from a data standpoint, the numbers have not been good, especially versus how great they were. They right. were the best in spring training yeah. for the first few weeks of spring training. So I would keep an eye on that at the start of the season. Agreed. I'm going to call an audible on my fifth bullet. I don't love my fifth question, so I'm going to call an audible. What did it have to do with Missouri basketball and how many people are still weeping over the loss to Princeton? Was no. it more of a personal question? It was about some of the best leaders in St. Louis sports, but I feel like we've done that somewhat recently. I can't remember. Um, well, it's your poll, and we spent a whole segment on it yesterday. Yeah, but we talked about it. Regardless, I'm going to switch it up, and I like this one. All right. Now that we've seen the dogs become a runaway hit here in St. Louis, do you think the beginning of the Cardinals season combined with nicer weather and more things to do will affect their attendance whatsoever? Or do you think the uniqueness of the product and the atmosphere combined with the smaller capacity will keep City Park full all summer long? I think it is a a slight overlap when it comes to the Venn diagram of Cardinal fans and Dogs fans. And for Dogs fans, it is an event. For the Cardinals, you have opening day, perhaps a series with the Cubs, perhaps a series uh, if you are late in the season with take your pick of the National League Central. I don't believe the the Pirates and Reds are interested in competing again this year. So whether it be with the Cubs or Brewers. Um, We saw it last year with the Yankees when they came to town. Rarely do you have events minus opening day in the regular season and then up until the postseason with the Cardinals unless you have a Cubs series or a big series with playoff ramifications. 
every dog's game is an event, not necessarily because people even are aware uh, of the table in parentheses standings and how this team is uh, now calling attention, not just for the success of the atmosphere and the franchise in the early going, but because, oh, wow, this team is 4-0. It's an event. It's an atmosphere. It's once a week. It's like a college football game or an NFL game, and people want to be in attendance. So I do not think it will be negatively impacted. And the fact that you had as dreadful a weather last Saturday and the building was still uh, as energetic as it was speaks to that when the weather does improve, that that building will be even more enthusiastic. So I do not think it will negatively impact it, Jackson. All right, and the final bullet. As always, your favorite bet going into the weekend. Oh, it's such a great question. Uh, I like to give people uh, a value play, and I like to give people a long shot play because I want the people to increase their portfolio. Um, And so I turn my attention today, Jackson, to the World Golf Classic match play. And I don't know why I've been on this, but I have been. And my daily fantasy rosters can speak to it. The long play that I made, and I'm talking about super long shot play, J.J. Spawn to win the whole thing. And somehow J.J. Spawn at this moment, and most people listening to this probably have no idea who the man is, J.J. Spawn is undefeated and on his way into the field of 16 for the uh, World Golf Championship matchups. So he is already in a great spot there. So that is super random. Uh, And then as far as more of a reasonable play, uh, it would be Sam Burns. Sam Burns to win the whole thing is plus 2,000. If you like J.J. Spawn, plus 4,000. Either way, uh, the big names, for the most part, minus Spawn, and I suppose you wouldn't necessarily consider Sam Burns a big name, but he's certainly a bigger name than J.J. Spawn, are all doing well in their respective uh, groups. So you should have a great weekend with the big boys playing against other big-name players. But, oh, J.J. Spawn and Sam Burns. Spawn plus 4,000, Burns plus 2,000. Throw a, throw a unit on that and see if you can hit the lottery this weekend in Austin, Texas. There it is. The Little Piddle Six Shooter is in the books. Buster only going to join us coming up next. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, you know him from ESPN, Buster Olney. Good morning, Buster. What's going on? Well, a lot for the Cardinals because Adam Wainwright news yesterday caught everyone off guard. And and I think for Cardinal fans, Buster, there was already concern going into the season that the team had question marks in the rotation. And Wainwright's stint on the IL only adds to that concern. What are your thoughts on Wainwright's situation and the direction the Cardinals will go? Yeah, I'm doing these uh, team previews in the podcast that I do, and there's no doubt that the Cardinals' potential fall line is in their rotation. And, you know, to, to right away have a guy who was one of the most stable pitchers they had in that group last year, it's a hit on one hand. I would say this, is that when you get pitchers, you know, to the age where Adam is, it'd be 42 by year's end, I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise, that his season is effectively going to be reduced. You know, maybe rather than the 
you know, the normal 30 to 32 starts. Maybe he winds up making, you know, 25 starts or 20 starts during the year, and maybe that'll help keep him fresh. I thought at the end of last year, my perception was is that he might have been worn down a little bit. Um, so this, this I don't think it's potentially as devastating as it, it, it might have felt when you first saw the news. Um, and, and, you know, the, the question is going to continue to be, what are you going to get out of Flaherty? You know, what are you going to get out of Matt's? You know, will other guys in the rotation be able to stay healthy? And, you know, Adam, I'm sure, especially as he gets close to the finish line on his career, I mean, he'll ramp it up, and I think he'll be effective down the stretch. Maybe this injury will help him do that. Yeah, it's weird that you say that. We were just talking about the potential glass-half-full aspect of it, that it could save him up yeah. to the end of the season, which he, he ran into last year. And now the Cardinals have a guy in Jake Woodford whose slider has really been effective this spring, getting to come in and perhaps seeing if they have a solution to the questionable depth in the month of April. Uh, overall, you were just talking about the question marks with Flaherty, and certainly uh, the Cardinals are, are, are going to have to see what Steven Matz can do, but he had a great performance yesterday against the Yankees and had has had a, a good spring so far. Your evaluation of the Cardinal rotation versus the other teams that you would consider uh, pennant contenders in the National League? Well, and, and specifically in the National League Central, I, I mean, when you look at the Milwaukee Brewers, when you can start with a Corbin Burns and a Brandon Woodruff, you know, Freddie Peralta, who seems healthy again, that, that to me is the class uh, of the division. Um, you know, the Mets with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, that could be excellent if the Braves get Kyle right back from the shoulder issues he's had in the spring. They've got a really good rotation. I, I, you know, I, I sort of put the Cardinals' uh, potential in, in, with their rotation somewhere, you know, in the five to, to eight range, depending a lot on Flaherty, right? I mean, Flaherty's the guy who's demonstrating his career. He can be a frontline guy if that shoulder's okay, if he's healthy. So we'll, you know, wait and see how that plays out. But the, the one thing about when you, when you evaluate the Cardinals, I think context is so important. You know, you've got, a, it's arguably the worst division in baseball, and the Brewers clearly are a team in transition. They traded Josh Hader even while in first place at the deadline last year. And now coming up to this year's trade deadline, one of the big questions is will they trade Corbin Burns to maximize his value before he walks away as a free agent 2024? Will they trade Willie Adamas? Uh, they, they show last summer they're willing to be aggressive to, you know, to help manage their payroll, and so we'll see if they do that again this year. I think Cardinals are clearly the best team in the division and probably the easiest pick among the six divisions. When you look at the Cardinals, Buster, um, one of the, the issues that they had uh, in recent postseason failures is their offense. Now, certainly, uh, Ali Marmol already has said he's going to have his 3-4-5 determined with uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado and Contreras before he even has to show up in St. Louis next Thursday to take on the Blue Jays. But when it comes to the other positions, so far this spring, uh, one of the stories has been the two rookies, uh, potential rookies, in Jordan Walker and whenever Mason Wynn gets his shot. And then Nolan Gorman has had one surprisingly strong spring, both offensively and defensively. You know the Cardinals have options in the middle infield uh, with Edmund and the utility ability of Brendan Donovan. And, of course, Mason Wynn is is lurking. Could the Cardinals use what would be a surplus 
to acquire pitching should it be a need later on in the season, especially with the huge free agents class following this regular season? There's no doubt about it. No team has a better stable of major league ready prospects, guys who are going to be everyday players in the big leagues than the Cardinals. They're stacked. And I think as, you know, for, uh, for Ollie, as he makes decisions on a daily basis, he can simply base it on this. Who's playing the best? And he's got this great group of young players, and he can say, hey, uh, you know, Gorman, he's swinging it well. We're going to go with him. Uh, Donovan's swinging it well. We're going to go with him. Jordan Walker, uh, you know, he, he looks great. He's one of baseball's best prospects. We're going to go with him. And, and I agree with you. You know, when we get to the deadline, you know, uh, if you know, Corbin Burns is available, I feel like the Brewers are a, a team that's progressive enough that if there was a gap between the Brewers and the Cardinals, the division, I, it wouldn't shock me if the, the Brewers are willing to deal with the Cardinals uh, to make a trade. And, of course, you know, the guy who everyone's going to be watching leading up the trade deadline in terms of available starting pitchers is going to be Shohei Otani. You know, are the Angels going to be in contention? Or, and if they are, Artie Moreno, their owner, has made it clear he's not trading Shohei, and I have my doubts as to whether or not he would under any circumstance. But if the Angels ever do that, and that was the advice of the front office to the owner last summer, it's time to trade Shohei. If they do that, uh, then the Cardinals are going to be in a great position to take because of that, that depth they have. And by the way, uh, you're talking about, talking about Woodford. Man, I saw him throw the other day. He, he looked great. Like they're, mm-hmm. Every spring, it feels like there's three or four guys that jump out at you where you feel like that guy's taking a big step forward. That's, that's the way it felt watching him pitch. Yeah, that's that's another element of the glass half full perspective on the situation with Wainwright that he is going to get a shot in the Cardinal rotation. Speaking of players shining in spring, Jordan Walker was having triple crown caliber numbers uh, up until a recent slump. He hurt his shoulder against the Astros uh, 13 days ago, sliding headfirst into second base, and his numbers have tailed off since then. Uh, the Cardinals are not concerned. Walker's not concerned. Uh, let's talk about Jordan Walker because Ali Marmol has said, Buster, that he is comfortable going with platoon with Newt Barr, Carlson, O'Neill, and Walker in the outfield and then potentially DHing uh, one of them. What have you seen from Jordan Walker and what have you heard from people around baseball about this guy's talent level and what he can be? That he's a monster. You know, he, he is absolutely going to be a star in the big leagues. Uh, because it's not only the raw power, you know, which you're gonna get if you're six foot six and two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, but it's also the bat-to-ball skills. He just rakes. And he's so much better of an athlete than you might think just by looking at him. Uh, when you see him, the comfort level that he's played, the corner outfield, and we had uh, then him on a game, um, an exhibition game, and I got a chance to talk to him. He, he just seems so at ease in, in everything. You know, he, he is. I've described him to folks with other teams uh, when we've had conversations about, hey, what have you seen this spring? And I mentioned Jordan Walker feels like a 35-year-old, 20-year-old in how comfortable he is already. Um, and I suspect that you know, as they evaluate the question about whether or not to keep him in the big leagues, um, one of the, you know, the, the feelings is going to be one of, something that probably is being uttered is, look, if he goes into a slump early in the year, he'll be able to handle that. You can feel that. I do wonder uh, about the shoulder injury and how that's going to impact uh, you know, how the Brewers take him along. And it wouldn't be that big of a deal because they have so much depth if they were to have him start the year in the minor leagues. And this absolutely jumped out at me all spring. Uh, mm. He wasn't taking walks. 
And it's not to it's not that you should go into every spring training looking to take a bunch of walks, but I I've always seen and, and felt like and talked to executives who believe that uh, you know patience at the plate is such a big deal for a young player, and it might be that you know he was always swinging at strikes, but that was one question I had coming out of it. You know, once he gets into the regular season, will opposing teams game plan and pitch him differently because he's swinging the bat aggressively? Buster Olney, kind enough to join us here on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. I want to ask you about some big-picture baseball questions. Uh, we, we'll see the Cardinals opening up the season against the Blue Jays here in six days in St. Louis, Buster. And I think fans around the game are going to notice a quicker pace. We've seen about, what, 25 to 30-minute uh, decrease in yeah. length of game in spring training with the pitch clock. Uh, what have been your impressions of what we've seen in the substantial change, and what have have been the impressions of the players and pitchers you have spoken with throughout the course of the Grapefruit League and Cactus League? Well, we can already forecast this. There's going to be complaining. Uh, You're going to hear from some veteran pitcher in a big spot who feels like that he was rushed, that he made a pitch he didn't want to uh, make, and uh, they're going to give voice to it. And, you know, behind the scenes, when you talk to players, especially on background, what you do hear is from some of them, uh, is that they do feel uh, some of the particular players will feel rushed uh, during the course of a plate appearance, and they're still getting used to, the big leaguers are uh, getting used to the pace because, of course, the minor leaguers have been playing with it in recent seasons. And you also hear complaints from staffers about the umpires becoming variables in the enforcement of it. In other words, you have a pitch clock running down, and the umpires have a, a buzzer on their wrist, which tells them when the pitch clock expired, what managers, coaches are telling me is, is that some umpires will you know, call that right away and some umpires might wait a split second. You've seen that in the NFL games when they're, you know, the play clock is going down. And that, I think, early in the season might be a point of contention. But I will tell you that generally most of the players I've spoken with, they love the pitch clock and they love the quicker pace of the game. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great product. I feel like, uh, you know, that it'll really appeal to a younger audience. I have a son who's 18. He was watching the WBC game the other night, and which didn't have a pitch clock, and he was saying, man, this is dragging. And and that great game that ended with, you know, Tawny facing Mike Trout, that uh, played out about an hour longer than what we've been accustomed to in spring training this year. And I think there'll be a group of fans who like the faster product. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to ask you in our final uh, line of questioning here, Buster, about the WBC. I, following you on Twitter, you retweeted Connor McDavid of the Oilers talking about yeah. how what we saw with uh, with the United States and Japan is something that the NHL, well, hockey, not the NHL, has been missing uh, for the last decade or so. And, uh, and, and, of course, that also got the talk going about Otani in your interview in which you said here is a guy who is most likely going to command – 500 or even 600 million dollars this offseason man that got people talking uh who do you think is really really in play for Shohei Otani when this offseason rolls around it's a short list but it's a perfect list for him you've seen the Dodgers this winter uh with the decisions they've made uh signing veterans like J.D. Martinez to short-term deals and bringing their payroll way down seemingly to prepare them for a a run at Otani. And there have been conversations within that organization about getting ready 
to to go after Otani. And of course, the New York Mets. You know, they also have their payroll structured. Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander are on short-term deals. They're going to be in a position to take a big run at Otani. And remember, their general manager, Billy Epler, was with the Angels when they lured uh, Otani to Anaheim. And Billy played a huge role in that. And now he could play a huge role in that for the Mets. You can't ever rule out the Yankees. I think the Mariners potentially could be in play. Uh, And look, there's nobody in the history of baseball who uh, has ever come close to doing what Otani's doing. He is a top 10 pitcher. He's a top 10 hitter. He also, you know, represents an built-in insurance policy because let's say he got injured as a pitcher again, he could still be, you know, a guy who would give you tons of value as a hitter. And so nobody can replicate his value as a, in terms of his production. Nobody can replicate his value in terms of his marketability. And, wow, it does feel like he's still ascending. Like, watching him in the WBC – he was like a 12-year-old at the, you know, in Little League who hit puberty before you know, four years before anybody else. He yeah. looks like he's going to put on an incredible show this year, which will be the year of Otani. It, uh, it was something to behold. It truly was a classic. It lived up to the billing and uh, the numbers. The numbers in St. Louis, actually, were the best numbers around the country in the World Baseball Classic, but a number of people certainly are still talking about it. Buster only with us here on Balloon Party. Buster, thank you so much for the time this morning. Looking forward to your coverage uh, and, of course, your podcast uh, throughout the course of the baseball season. We appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's Buster Only joining us here on Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. What did you think about what he had to say with regards to the Cardinals and the upcoming season? Your thoughts are welcome via the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. We'll discuss it coming up on the other break. Other side of the break. This is Balloon Party driven by Munganess. St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. Action Jackson on the ones and twos. We're fresh off a conversation with Buster Olney here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. If you missed any of it, go back and podcast it. Great conversation uh, on the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast on the 101 ESPN app. Uh, Jackson, what stood out to you from Buster Olney? What really stood out to me was how excited and how impressed he was with Jake Woodford uh, and his ability because, you know, uh, the question going into this offseason was what are they going to do about pitching, and that really wasn't addressed. But if Jake Woodford can step up and be a really, really effective pitcher, I mean, how much of a difference would that make? That would be huge. That's a game changer if somebody from inside the roster here in St. Louis can come to what could be the rescue 
of the Cardinal rotation. And there is a tangible difference baseball-wise as to why he's having success. And it's his slider. Uh, you know, you've seen pitchers over the course of their careers have to adjust to a lack of velocity. And so they develop a new pitch. And the next thing you know, they rediscover their effectiveness. In the case of Woodford, his effectiveness at a young point in his career has increased exponentially here in the six weeks in Jupiter, Florida, because of his work uh, with the pitching coach on that slider. And so he is uh, creating a bit of buzz throughout spring training, Buster only said. He also talked about uh, no organization in baseball, Jackson, having more major league-ready prospects than the Cardinals. And that goes back to something we were talking about in our opening segment of the show, that if the Cardinals were in a spot that they need to fill a, a, a critical element of that rotation at the trade deadline, they could be in a really good position to do so if indeed these prospects who do get a shot at the major league level perform, and if they do indeed have a surplus. Again, so many ifs, but the projections for these prospects are high, and so the Cardinals are dealing potentially from a spot where they can salvage the pitching situation via trade. That is something to keep an eye on right from the get-go in the early part of the season. He also talked about Jordan Walker. He called him a monster um, and then did talk about his recent struggles. Uh, This is something that, uh, like I said, I don't know, relatively speaking, if it's getting as much attention as I'm paying it uh, elsewhere. Uh, You know, is it a case of an injury? Is it a case of the way that he's being pitched now? Is it a case of him pressing because he wants to make sure he starts the season with the big league club? I don't know. All I do know is he's had four hits since the injury, and it's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, the reality is in six days, the Cardinals are taking the field, and in a few days, you're going to find out who is going to be on that major league roster. Uh, Will Jordan Walker be a part of it? Two weeks ago, I would have told you it was a five-star lock. Uh, I still would expect it to be the case, but uh, he just has not looked like the same guy over the last 13 days. Let's take a look at the Air Comfort Service text line uh, and get the perspective of the people. Uh, who the hell wants a Pelicans update? Jackson, I believe that was directed toward your Sports Center update yesterday. Uh, really a startling Sports Center update as it sounded like you were you were struggling through it. Today the delivery was wonderful, the content questionable. Content was great. The the Western Conference right now, I mean, what a shuffle. Pelicans were in 12th yesterday, 10th today. Five teams within a half game to get that seventh seed. A lot going on. So, you know, take your head out of the sand and wake up. Lots going on in the West. Uh, well, here, well, here, you got a compliment, Jackson. Great to see you get right back on the horse today with your Sports Center update piddles. Yeah. boy. Yeah. So there you go. It's all about bouncing uh, back. Yeah, and you did bounce back without question. I hope that Otani re-signs with the Angels just to make all of those teams look stupid. That is in reference to the Dodgers positioning themselves to get Shohei Otani by uh, cutting payroll and or just having teams on short-term deals. That uh, that text coming in from the 314. Yeah, uh, Buster only saying it is a short list of teams that could be in the mix for Shohei Otani. He did not mention the Cardinals as one of those teams, and he does believe that Otani is going to get 500 or maybe even $600 million this offseason. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I also liked, uh, you know, Buster kind of said, 
of you know all the divisions to pick from. Uh, you pick your winner. He said the Cardinals were the clear easiest one to pick out of all of them. And that's more because the NL Central is what it is, but that's also a good thing to hear for Cardinal fans ahead of the season. Sure, absolutely. And I, but I mean, I think it's kind of been that case here for the last couple of years. You, you when, when you have a few teams going into the season, just kind of going through the motions, and listen, the National League East has some uh, a couple of teams that are likely doing that right. with uh, the Marlins and the Nationals, but uh, the National League Central had three of them last year. It might be more along the lines of two. But, I mean, hey, he, he's saying, and I thought this was an interesting way to describe it, the Brewers are progressive enough. <laughs> uh, I've never heard that term used for a baseball team's mindset. Uh, I think what that means is the Brewers don't give a damn yeah. because if they were willing to trade Josh Hader with the team in first place last year, which uh, coincided, whether it was the reason or not, but it without question coincided with their collapse and the Cardinals rise in the National League Central on their way to the 2022 division title uh, that they would consider trading Corbin Burns to the Cardinals. That one really stood out to me. If you were asking what the biggest surprise from the Buster Only conversation would be, uh, him picking out Corbin Burns and the Brewers as a potential trade partner for the Cardinals. Maybe the Brewers would be willing to do it, but I'm not sure the Cardinals would be willing to trade a couple of prospects inside the division for Corbin Burns. Yeah, that's a tough spot. I mean, if it's, you, you, I mean, so much of it is based on circumstance of where they are in the standings and how the team looks. But, you know, if you have the opportunity to pick up a guy like Corbin Burns, who's an ace for a lot of teams, you know, you, it's, it's a tough decision you have to make. And it all depends on what prospects they're looking at, you know. That is, uh, you're exactly right on that part. I hate to say it, but Walker has looked 100% different at the plate since that slide. It may be best for him to start in AAA and get his stroke back. That is from the 314. Uh, from the 636, Balloon Party Saved My Life. That's from Southside Blake. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that, Southside Blake. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people said that. And then we got this one from the 314. Tim, my dad had to drive me to pick up my cat from the dealership. I'm just going to assume he meant car, although if his kitten is at a car dealership, let us know which one. We were listening to the show, and he was like, what the hell are you listening to? That's from the 314. Yeah, uh, I've heard that uh, throughout my career as uh, well. Should we discount spring training performances at all with so many top players participating in the WBC? I always take spring training performances, and it, and it cuts both ways, whether it's a player looking really good or a player struggling, uh, and, and recognize they may be working on something. Um and or they might be up against a, a glut of teams who are either really good or in the case of what the Cardinals have seen for the most part up until yesterday with the Yankees, uh, not necessarily particularly good as they've seen a healthy dose of the Marlins and the Nationals. Um, but the Walker thing stands out to me because it's a couple of weeks sample size now and it is such a drastic change from what he was doing the first few weeks of spring training uh, from the six three six balloon party ruined my life. Yeah, I've heard that one too. Yeah, That's, uh, I've heard that one uh, as well, Jackson. All right, our final segment of balloon party for the week is coming up on the other side of the commercial break. Then it's BK and Ferrario at eleven o'clock. I am Tim McKernan. That is Action Jackson, and this is Balloon Party, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura on one hundred and one ESPN. Right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back. This is Balloon Party. Final segment for the week before BK and Ferrario take over. The great Jeremy Rutherford going to be in studio with Alex Ferrario and T. Diddy from 11 to 2 with uh, BK. Uh, off today. Uh, some breaking news here. The Cardinals have called a press conference for 12 Central. Uh, John Denton, who joined us yesterday from MLB.com, said this is a time when contract extensions are often signed. And uh, President of Baseball Operations John Mazalek has said having just one starting pitcher signed behind, beyond 2023 was a concern. Miles Michaelis is a strong candidate for an extension that is john denton with that tweet just now so coming up in just a little more than an hour a press conference at the cardinal spring training complex uh to uh announce some news john denton theorizing that it is uh, a contract extension and he says miles michaelis is a strong candidate for an extension. So we will see the Cardinals are not playing during the day today. They are playing this evening against the Nationals uh, at the Nationals ballpark. So with John Mazalock making it clear that it is a concern that only one pitcher, Stephen Matz, is signed beyond 2023. Perhaps he is tending to that issue. Uh, we've also heard Jordan Montgomery's interest in signing an extension uh, Jackson. So uh, I would imagine this news is either Miles Michaelis or Jordan Montgomery, if you asked me yeah. to yep. place a wager. Would agree. Yeah. If I had to place action, I would say Michaelis more so than Montgomery. But yeah, I think it's either one of those two, which is uh, good because, yeah, having a just one starting pitcher signed long term after this season is not something that's ideal. So hopefully it's uh, one of those two. So stay tuned here to 101 ESPN as as soon as that news is official. Uh, you know it will be discussed throughout the course of the day here on the radio station. Jackson, uh, we've made it all the way to 1055 before talking about the tournament. And you made it queer that you love UCLA and you love Kansas State. Kansas State in a classic last night, defeating Michigan State in New York. And UCLA falls just short against Gonzaga and Kevin Harlan had the classic call. Best defenders on the bench. Campbell outside. Bailey for the lead. No, not at all, because you've also dominated the offensive glass. Chances are you'll get more than one opportunity. Oh, the for the lead. Oh, Here comes Campbell. The other way. Stripped to the ball. Foul UCLA. Three-point game. Here come the Bruins. Hawkins. Nuba. And Campbell, it would have counted had it gone, and Gonzaga survives. They're going to the Elite Eight in a thriller. So there it is. Kevin Harlan on the call last night on CBS and TNT and TBS and True TV. Gonzaga going to the Elite Eight, and we also know that either Kansas State, Jackson's team, mm -hmm. or Florida Atlantic is going to go to the Final Four because they will be meeting tomorrow 
in the Elite Eight. What do you think about that, Jackson? I'm telling you, the way Kansas State's playing right now, the high-tempo, high-flying offense, I don't know if there's a more fun team to watch right now in the Kansas State Wildcats on top of Jerome Tang and his personality. I'm all in on the Wildcats bandwagon. I don't care about the old Big 12 rivalries. Rivalries, I should say. Uh, I'm all in on Kansas State, man. That Novell, I mean, his performance, 20 points and 19 assists last night. NCAA tournament record? Are you kidding me? Two incredible games last evening. So with uh, with Kansas State's traction, they certainly are a favorite to get to the Final Four. Uh, understandably, people yeah. still skeptical of Florida Atlantic. But hey, they beat a, a Tennessee team that beat Duke uh, in Orlando to get to the Sweet 16. And Duke had been playing great basketball, and they held mm-hmm. them to 52 points. But last night, Florida Atlantic gets 62 points. Uh, a team that Jay Billis says is playing better basketball right now than anybody, including Alabama, is UConn. And that's who Gonzaga is going to have to get past to get to the, uh, the Final Four and perhaps finally get that elusive national championship despite that two-decade-plus run of perennial success. UConn and Gonzaga in the West on the bottom side of the bracket and Florida Atlantic in Kansas State in the East. Tonight, Alabama, Jackson, will cover seven points yeah. and beat San Diego State. Agreed. And Princeton will cover the 10 points, and then they're going to beat the Creighton Blue Jays, setting up a magical matchup between Florida Atlantic and Princeton in the Final Four. No, Princeton will not. Princeton will lose, and I might be... You, a... sound, you sound bored by my opinion. That's no, what I, I took just, the Princeton like, thing. No, oh, no. No. Trust me, like these teams, they run out of steam, and Princeton's about to run out of steam. Creighton's really good. St. Louis and Trinity uh, Catholic uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner is going to be uh, playing for the Creighton Blue Jays. I think Creighton wins that game, and I think uh, somewhat handily in the second half there. Houston and Miami, Florida. I love and Miami. Xavier. You love Miami. Miami's getting seven and a half points. I love Miami plus seven and a half. And then Xavier and Texas round out the games this evening. Top side of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. The Big East could have three teams in the in the Elite Eight. That would be super impressive for a kind of an underrated uh, league. You know, Big Ten, Big Ten, and the House of Cards. Just like I said, no more Big Ten. Teams. You called your shot. You called your shot. They're, they're a House of Cards. Bunch of a bunch of like super mediocre teams. Mediocre in the sense of like they're t- good like tournament teams. Like they're going to be in the tournament, but they won't make a run and. Yeah, we've seen uh, the proof is in the pudding on that one. There it is. Action Jackson's official NCAA tournament report. BK and Ferrario coming up next with Jeremy Rutherford in studio. uh, Joining Alex Ferrario and Tanner. That's coming your way from 11 to 2. Stay tuned to 101 ESPN as uh, they will have the latest on this press conference. The Cardinals had called uh, that will be taking place in just two hours. Uh, Right now, John Denton's theory is it is a Miles Michaelis contract extension. So we'll see what he has to say Cup uh, in between 11 and 2 as John Mazalak will be speaking from Jupiter, Florida. Time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are coming up next with Jeremy Rutherford in studio for Brandon Kiley for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Munganess St. Louis Acura's presentation of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.